the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, and later we'll be on podcasts everywhere. Today, we're going to be talking with uh, Dr. David Marks about healthy lungs, breathing, and sleep for preventing illness, disease, and accidents, as well as compliance with transportation regulations. If you have questions about those things, give us a call at 210-308-8867, or you can post a comment in the Facebook live stream, and we'll try and answer your question on the air. Marquardt Law Firm is sponsoring our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. Old businesses and new businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in county court, district court, and probate court. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to do your will. Please help Dr. David Marks and me give good information to the listeners about the importance of healthy lungs, breathing, and sleep for preventing illness, disease, and accidents, as well as compliance with transportation regulations today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. And like I said before, today with us is Dr. David A. Marks. He and I will be discussing the importance of healthy lungs, breathing, and sleep for preventing illness, disease, and accidents, as well as compliance with transportation regulations. Dr. Marks, welcome to the show. Good morning. Welcome. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? I'm originally from Dallas, Texas, and I completed my undergraduate education at Austin College in Sherman, Texas, and then... San Antonio found me, and I moved down here for medical school at the Health Science Center at San Antonio. And I tried to leave San Antonio, but the the atmosphere here was so awesome, I ended up staying here for my residency in internal medicine. Then I completed my pulmonary critical care and sleep medicine fellowship here. And I've been in private practice since 2007. Okay. What's the name of your practice? The Pulmonary and Sleep Institute. And tell us a little bit about how your business is organized. Who who do you have working there? So it's me, and I have a a nurse practitioner named Shannon Sanchez, and we provide uh, services to include outpatient pulmonary and sleep consultation for a variety of problems that patients might have, whether it be 
disease-specific, such as COPD or asthma, or symptom-specific, such as cough or shortness of breath. And in addition, we also uh, tailor our practice looking for patients that are having sleep problems, whether it be you can't get to sleep, you can't maintain sleep, or that you're just too sleepy, and provide comprehensive testing to include sleep studies, whether it be in-lab where you come in and spend the night, or a home study where you're given a device and you do a home sleep study in the comfort of your own home. Okay, that's interesting. I, I didn't realize that people could do the testing at home. It is, and it's made the, the dimension of sleep apnea um, a little bit more accessible for patients to get screened and tested for, as we'll talk about. Um, sleep apnea is a very, very common uh, public health um, problem, and untreated sleep apnea in of itself can cause a variety of medical problems, such as cardiovascular disease, stroke, but also the, the, the effects of sleep apnea, having excessive sleepiness, can lead to deleterious effects to work, relationships, and even provide issues with driving and increase your risk of getting into accidents. Yeah, nobody should uh, work on less than the optimal amount of sleep. Let's talk about what pulmonology is. That's a, a big word for most of us who aren't physicians. Right. So pulmonology, when I explain to my friends and family, you know, what is a pulmonologist, they often think it's to do with the heart. But actually pulmonology has to do with any disease or condition that affects the lungs. So from the windpipe down, um, pulmonary doctors specialize in taking care of patients that have a variety of lung diseases such as asthma, COPD, pulmonary fibrosis, lung cancer. And uh, we provide uh, detailed assessments of lung function to include doing pulmonary function testing, looking at somebody's breathing capacity. And we also do a variety of different procedures to include bronchoscopies, which is a procedure where we take a tiny flexible camera through somebody's airway through their windpipe looking for any problems that could affect somebody's breathing. Because let's face it, not being able to breathe can certainly uh, affect somebody's quality of life Mm -hmm. and, again, lead to a variety of other health um, conditions because of that. Wow. A camera down the windpipe. I haven't heard of that. Well, these patients are obviously sedated for that procedure, but it's a uh, it's an outpatient procedure typically that we, we do. Um, I, I think it's akin to somebody who undergoes an endoscopy for you know gastrointestinal mm-hmm. problems. Okay. So you've got the Sleep Institute, but uh, you're very involved in the community. What are some other... Uh, jobs that you do? Well, I'm the wellness doctor for the San Antonio uh, Fire Department, and in that capacity, um, I provide medical direction, medical oversight to the uniformed officers of the San Antonio Fire Department for the firefighters and the paramedics. In that capacity, we, we ensure that their fitness for duty is assured, because certainly being a firefighter um, places you at a particular risk for certain you know, incidences that could affect your ability to perform. We also provide a comprehensive cancer surveillance program. As firefighters and paramedics, they are certainly at higher risk and higher exposures, which put them at higher risk for developing cancers. And we also provide other comprehensive services, such as uh, athletic training, um, injury prevention, and uh, psychological you know, testing and evaluation to ensure that our Members of the San Antonio Fire Department are uh, healthy and well and ready to uh, help the the community of San Antonio. Yeah, that's really interesting that you get to do that. So we're talking about lungs and and healthy breathing and sleep. We'll be talking about vaping and the the health effects of uh, e-cigarettes. And we'll be talking about um, what happens when you don't get enough sleep. What, What are the health effects of that? And then every now and then I'll be mentioning problems with the law. Uh, one of the things that we look at with vaping is uh, how to stop kids from vaping. When I uh, went to the uh, information session at my daughter's high school, they were talking about vaping. And right. yeah. s- smoking is way down, but vaping is way up. Correct. So... As we'll talk about, so smoking is obviously a, a huge problem. We certainly are very aware of the long-term health effects of cigarette smoking from development of lung conditions such as um, emphysema, pulmonary fibrosis, or lung cancer. 
but not much is known about the long-term health effects of vaping up until you know recently. Um, often, cigarette smokers will transition to e-cigarettes um, as a way to help you know, them stop smoking. But uh, cigarette smoking in itself um, and vaping both carry very uh, significant long-term health you know, conditions. Different, different things for different types, right? Absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a break. If you have questions about lung function and lung health and breathing and sleeping, give us a call at 210-308-8867, and you can ask a question on the air, or you can post a comment in the Facebook live stream. Just search for Talk Law Radio and look for Lady Justice in red, white, and blue. Stay tuned. could be a nightmare for your family, which is why it's important to meet with an attorney before you go on vacation. Get your affairs in order just in case, God forbid, tragedy strikes and you become disabled or worse happens while traveling. Attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trust, and tax-protected inheritance plans. A living trust might save your family thousands of dollars. Protect what's yours at Marquardt Law Firm, 210-530-4278. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Markport here with Dr. David Marks, and we're talking about lung function, lung health, healthy breathing, and sleep to prevent illness, disease, and accidents, and also compliance with transportation regulations. And uh, we just got to know Dr. Marks a little bit through his background and his education and his practice at pulmonary and sleep institute here in san antonio texas if you need more information about his practice you can go to psidoctor.com yes okay that's p as in paul s as in sam i doctor.com so before we get into the health effects i wanted to just define some things for our older viewers and listeners who might know what the word might not know what the word vape means it means to uh it's a verb in the in inhale and exhale vapor containing nicotine and flavoring produced by a device designed for that purpose and it's also a noun a device used for inhaling vapor containing nicotine and flavoring an act of inhaling and exhaling the vapor produced by a vaping device. So this is also known as an electronic cigarette or e-cigarette. Um, some slang terms would be vapes, e-hookahs, vape pens, tank systems, mods, and electronic nicotine delivery systems. Uh, using an e-cigarette is commonly called vaping. So um, this is something that's relatively new and um, one of the things that I want to focus on is that in Texas, the law says that uh, a person under the age of 21 cannot possess or buy uh, an e-cigarette or a vape product or any tobacco product. And likewise, um, stores, retail establishments cannot sell these products to somebody under the age of eight, under the age of 21 unless uh, they're 18 and are uh, members of the U.S. military. So there's an exception there. So Dr. Marks, uh, tell us a little bit about um, your experience in um, identifying and describing uh, the, the health effects of uh, somebody who vapes. So there's two populations that are utilizing uh, e-cigarettes or vaping. Um, first, it's the patients that are actually smoking cigarettes that will often use the e-cigarettes or vaping as a kind of a bridge to um, getting them off cigarette smoke with the thoughts are that uh, vaping carries you know no significant health effects. 
But you know, the reality is that the long-term effects of vaping, albeit not as severe as cigarette smoking, um, certainly carries you know significant risks of disease. That the vape and the the combustions of vape that they're inhaling certainly can also contain you know, cancer-causing agents and can lead to some long-term um, respiratory effects. Now, the biggest issue that I see with vaping is that the uh, the marketing and targeting of the non-smokers, so the, the individuals that are not smoking cigarettes, so using vaping as the initial choice of inhaling instead of it using as a uh, as a bridge mm-hmm. as a, as a smoker, and that uh, the biggest uh, demographic says the younger uh, individuals from the age of eighteen to the age of twenty nine, and there's over worldwide there's over forty million. Um, people that are, you know, vaping. And in fact, uh, U.S. uh, population studies showed one in 20 um, individuals or people actually are vaping on a regular basis. Now, vaping can be used of nicotine, can be flavoring, but can also be used for illicit drugs such as uh, THC. And the problem with vaping is, especially illicit drugs, is that they can also use uh, uh, mixing agents, which in themselves, when it heats up with the vaping system, the uh, combustion of it can cause significant um, health effects. Back in 2019, um, this whole term of vaping-induced lung injury uh, became um, problematic, and in fact, the CDC at that time announced it was a uh, a, a global health or a health pandemic, and over 3,000 patients were found to have this very particular um, onset of respiratory disease, of shortness of breath, cough, and fever. And usually it occurred in association of vaping. And what it was found was that uh, the mixing agents in- included vitamin E. And when you heated up vitamin E, it caused a very uh, toxic metabolite called uh, ketine to be um, released into the airways, which was the culprit of um, the vaping lung injury. And so now, you know, the vitamin E has been eliminated from uh, the vaping you know, products. Um, so you don't see as much... Uh, in the way of vaping you know, lung disease, but certainly um, as the, the vaping has been going on longer, we're now appreciating that vaping in of itself is not a safe alternative to cigarette smoking, that uh, vaping does carry some long-term risks up to respiratory disease. It can cause um, some respiratory infections. It can induce you know, asthma-type states. Um, so I tell my patients, you know, vaping, smoking, um, you really should inhale nothing but clean air. Yeah. I heard about something called popcorn lung. Is that a thing? That that is a thing with you know, vaping. Absolutely. What is it? So popcorn lung is when you're inhaling the the, the vape. It can cause an inflammatory um, lung reaction. Um, it can lead to patients getting um, airway scarring. It can lead to um, pneumothoraxes, which are you know, collapsed lungs. So absolutely. And that'll have long-term effects. Correct. So what we found when these patients back in the 2019 had a vaping-associated lung disease, um, about 29 to 30% of these individuals uh, developed a condition called uh, adult respiratory distress syndrome, which was a disease state to where the lungs start to scar. And in fact, several of these uh, patients who developed vaping-induced lung disease were left with what we call fibrotic or scarring of their lungs, which could lead to long-term negative health effects affecting your breathing. And that's irreversible, right? That is irreversible. Okay. Well, I read uh, on the Texas Health and let me see, Health Department of State Health Services that um, they report there are 20 cigarettes worth of nicotine in each vape pod. So that's a higher concentration of nicotine than in a traditional cigarette. Right. And the thoughts are that the the vaping actually carries a higher concentration of nicotine. And nicotine itself is a very addictive uh, substance and that these younger um, individuals that are vaping kind of sets the way as then leading into starting to smoke because of the uh, the nicotine content. Mm Mm-hmm. You, you vape one time and you're hooked. You're hooked. <laughs> okay. Well, another thing, another danger with e-cigarettes and vaping is the battery. Correct. Right. right. And so there's some uh, reports about uh, the battery um, causing explosions. And, and in my actual practice, I've had a couple of patients who have had uh, significant burn injuries as a result of a battery combustion, needing uh, skin grafts and burn care. So that's another kind of effect that many people don't think about with the vaping is the actual device itself and 
on a secondary part of that is the vaping also produces a vape cloud that is like equivalent to secondhand smoke. So certainly others around you that inhale the vape cloud could also have some secondhand, you know, medical problems as a result of that. Oh, okay. I wasn't aware of that. Um, some people will vape indoors where they wouldn't smoke indoors because it's it thought, I guess, erroneously that it's not dangerous. Well, what the problem with the vaping is that you're taking a substance and the different molecules that the substance is uh, carried in, and you're superheating it. So the superheating action is changing the molecular structure, and it's reducing producing all sorts of dangerous chemicals, um, volatile organic compounds, or VOCs in particular, are being produced by the process of vaping, which can have very deleterious health effects to the lungs. But also with vaping, we also see, as you mentioned, the higher levels of nicotine. And so, you know, vaping and patients that are, you know, pregnant could affect a, a fetal growth. It could affect brain function of the smaller, you know, you know, individuals that are still undergoing development. So the younger, you know, generations that are still, you know, smoking and still undergoing development, um, the nicotine itself can affect uh, uh, brain growth. Okay, so that's a bad thing. I wanted to tell our audience about a lawsuit uh, that was filed in New York State. Uh, it's a reported case, so this is all public information. Uh, Kenneth Brandon Barbero Jr. filed a lawsuit because of damages for injuries he suffered uh, when his electronic vaping cigarette known as a Tug Mech Mod V2, exploded along with its power source, two lithium-ion batteries, while in his mouth. So I'm sure that caused a lot of damage. He sued the battery manufacturer, he sued the manufacturer of the vape device, and he sued the business and the business owner who sold him the device. I don't know what the result was in that case because... Uh, the reason it was reported was uh, to uh, to figure out whether all of those defendants could be sued in the state of New York. And so the, the result wasn't related to the outcome about uh, whether he got money from that or not. My guess is that one or more of those defendants probably settled uh, out of court with them, and so they're they're keeping that under wraps. Um, but there's been reports of cases like this all over the country. Correct. In my uh, situation, the particular patient that was seen in my practice, um, he had the uh, vaping device in his pocket, and it wasn't being utilized, but the battery um, did uh, explode, and it caused a a third-degree burn to his uh, leg, which resulted in him having to go to a burn care center and permanent disfigurement uh, because of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I, I remember hearing at the airport that you're not supposed to have those batteries in your carry-on. That's correct. Another well-known uh, case regarding vaping here in San Antonio happened in uh, uh, 2020 when uh, the the city, when the mayor shut down the city uh, because of COVID-19. Well, Mega Vape. Uh, sued because they wanted to be considered an essential service. (laughs) That's all I wanted to say about that. Um, If you have questions about how vaping affects lung function, give us a call at 210-308-8867. Dr. David Marks is here. He's a pulmonologist, lung expert, and so we might be able to answer your questions. if not, then we'll just move on to um, sleeping. What, what's the importance of sleeping? There's no substitution for sleep. You need adequate sleep. Uh, an average human being needs between six to eight hours of sleep, and you cannot rob yourself of sleep. And there's several uh, factors that do affect you know sleep. First is, as I talk to my patients, you have to have the opportunity to sleep, meaning you have to have time to sleep. And the problem with our busy world in our society is that individuals will often you'll be working two jobs three jobs and um, burning the midnight oil and not suffice enough time for them to sleep and so that of itself causes sleep deprivation then you talk about um, sleep diseases such as insomnia or sleep apnea Um, 
individuals are just tired. And I always think it's kind of funny when I drive by uh, these coffee shops that, you know, two or three o'clock in the afternoon, there's these long lines of people trying mm-hmm. to get caffeine to try to get them staying awake. And uh, as we'll talk about, you know, there's some certain laws, certain industries to where um, having sleep apnea certainly could have major impacts on the, the, the safety of uh, transportation. If you have sleep apnea, stay tuned. We're going to talk about what laws around uh, lack of sleep and fatigue, and we'll also be talking about uh, the health effects. Stay tuned. to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here with Dr. David Marks. He's a pulmonologist with the Pulmonary and Sleep Institute. You can learn more about his practice at psidoctor.com. That's P as in Paul, S as in Sam, I, doctor.com. And if you want to listen to more podcasts about the law, you can go to talklawradio.com and you can listen to previous episodes, or you can search for podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and and other forms to listen to previous episodes as well. Today's show is about the hidden legal issue, blind spots concerning your healthy lungs, breathing, and sleep for preventing illness, disease, and accidents, as well as compliance with transportation regulations. And so before the break, uh, Dr. Marks uh, mentioned some uh, common sleep disorders. Um, But before we talk more about common sleep disorders, I wanted to mention that in in the first book of the Bible, it said, uh, on the seventh day, God rested. Right. I got enough sleep. Yeah. So uh, that's one form of rest is to take a day off, but we also need to uh, go to bed and get some sleep too. We need to allow enough time to sleep, and there's no substitution for that. Even as a as a busy doctor, a busy father, um, I have to have enough time in my schedule to sleep, and the sleep has to be uninterrupted. You know, we talk about uh, sleep hygiene. So one of the very first things we talk about our patients is, you know, what are they environment in which to use sleep you know you can't have animals that are running around the bed cats running around the bed mm-hmm. as you're trying to sleep you can't sleep next to um, a nascar racetrack or train track and expect a good good sleep we try to counsel our patients on providing a great environment to sleep often one that's dark quiet comfortable uh, sometimes with fans sometimes a, you know, it's kind of a cold environment that the bed has to be comfortable everything has to be right to uh, cause you know good quality sleep. So quality sleep, there's no substitution for that. I read about one sleep disorder called narcolepsy. What's that? So narcolepsy, it's a very, uh, it's a very rare but not uncommon condition. And what narcolepsy is, it's a disease state in which when we go into what we call REM sleep. So the different stages of sleep. You have your stage one, stage two sleep, which is I call your non-restorative sleep. So that's akin to you trying to go to sleep and somebody keeps kind of waking you up every five minutes and you never get to that deep sleep. Then you have your deep sleep and the deep sleep is akin to your brain really being shut off. And it's during deep sleep where you have all these different hormonal um, um, fluctuations like growth hormone, et cetera, that's involved in repair of your body. And then you have REM sleep, which stands for rapid eye movement sleep. And the REM sleep um, your brain is awake, you're dreaming, and the REM sleep, you know, brain waves looks very much akin to somebody who's wide awake. But what happens is when you go into REM sleep, your body is totally uh, paralyzed, meaning that uh, you don't act out your dreams. Now, with REM sleep and narcolepsy, it's a neurologic condition. It's almost akin to an autoimmune state where there's a deficiency of a chemical 
in your spinal fluid called up hypocretin or erexin. And what happens is when you're deficient with that chemical, um, it allows REM sleep to kind of show its angry face during awake states. So patients who have narcolepsy um, will often complain of very um, a poor quality sleep, very interrupted sleep. They'll have sleepiness. Sometimes they'll be mistaken to having insomnia where they can't maintain sleep. But sometimes patients who have narcolepsy will have these conditions called cataplexy. And that's where narcolepsy kind of got its fame by these cataplectic attacks. And with cataplexy, usually it's a positive emotion. And I can't explain why it's a positive, not a negative emotion, but it's a type of positive emotion such as laughter, excitement, etc. Um, patients will have some type of neurologic uh, um, uh, symptom. Part of their body might go limp, might go numb, or in extreme cases, they, they might actually just pass out, you know, kind mm-hmm. of a drop attack. And uh, the problem with narcolepsy is that it, it causes this constant sleep deprivation, and it can lead to uh, you know impairment in school function, work function, and, and sometimes I, these patients will come to me because they've had some issues at school or work where they have to get evaluated with a sleep study. Yeah. So we're going to talk more about the uh, sleep study, but I wanted to mention this case, uh, this lawsuit from 1963. Uh, These two guys were uh, working together, and they had to travel for their work for whatever reason. And uh, they were both tired. Uh, They left in the early morning. And so they did trade off um, because... let the other guy get some sleep and the plaintiff there was an accident surprise (laughs) right (laughs) so the plaintiff of the accident was sitting in the passenger seat and the defendant was driving and the the plaintiff testified that before the accident he uh briefly awoke and looked over because he was worried about the other guy being tired and he saw the driver uh, with a pillow behind his head, driving. And he <laughs> oh said, yeah. uh, do you want me to drive? And uh, and the guy said, no. But I just thought it was so um, apparent that he shouldn't have been driving when you see the guy with the pillow in the car, and he's the driver. Uh, so I, I, I think the plaintiff should have said, stop the car, I'm getting out. <laughs> well, for all of our listeners, uh, the impact of sleepiness and what it does to your body, and specifically what it does to your neurocognition, your reflex time, is very much equivalent, if not worse, to being in the state of intoxication. And that's kind of the concern is, you know, you can drive intoxicated, and that's a crime, but you can drive sleepy, and that's not a crime. But the effects of that could be um, very much disastrous to where you can get into an accident can hurt yourself or hurt other people. And that's where it's somebody's responsibility to fix the problem. So if they're having symptoms or signs of sleep apnea, it's, I think it's important to address this with your doctor and perhaps undergoing, undergo a sleep study. And you mentioned during the break that uh, there, there was once a time that people didn't want to do this sleep study. What were some of the reasons? Well, lots of reasons, including um, time away from home, having to sleep in a foreign environment, having to have all these, quote, wires hooked up to your body, and, you know, how are you going to be able to sleep if somebody's, you know, staring at you sleeping? So that kind of, that in of itself would discourage people from getting a sleep study. But what has changed is the advent of home sleep studies. So if you're looking for specifically for obstructive sleep apnea, um, a good quality home sleep study provides the diagnosis to be done in your own home on your own time without modifications of your sleep time. For example, in our sleep lab, typically the sleep study starts around 10 o'clock, but you know, some patients will have shift work to where 10 o'clock is not their normal bedtime. Mm-hmm. Whereas a home sleep study, you're able to start to study whenever it's your normal bedtime. Mm-hmm. And the results that we get from a home sleep study are pretty reliable as it's compared to the gold standard of an in-lab sleep study. Okay. And you're mentioning sleep apnea a lot. Is that one of the the most popular causes for um, not getting a good sleep? It is. I think besides uh, not having the opportunity to sleep, the other most common cause of sleepiness as a symptom is obstructive sleep apnea. And signs and symptoms of obstructive sleep apnea besides waking up tired, 
uh, meaning if you slept, you had six hours of sleep and you woke up feeling you only slept two hours, it would be loud snoring, um, waking up uh, with a dry mouth, a headache. Um, Sometimes your bed partner may say that you're gasping, you're not breathing at all. And certainly um, around lunchtime or after lunchtime, you're having this really debilitating sleepiness to where you have to go get that caffeine boost in order to stay awake. Okay, and what are some treatment options for sleep apnea? So once patients come in with those symptoms, obviously we provide a very comprehensive medical assessment and examination. Other disease states that can also affect um, you having sleep apnea would be obesity. Um, So in gentlemen, if you have a neck size that's more than 17 inches or greater and you're snoring, there's a high likelihood that you have sleep apnea. And in females, it's 16 inches and if you're snoring or having tiredness, again, that's a high predictive value that you have sleep apnea. Um, and certainly when we suspect you have sleep apnea, there's no other testing except a sleep study. When you undergo a sleep study, that's what determines if you have sleep apnea. And there's different you know, severity levels of sleep apnea, but we treat based upon your symptoms as well. Now, the most common treatment for sleep apnea is something called CPAP, which stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. And so CPAP is a mat, is a machine that's kind of blowing air, and it's acting as a splint. So essentially it's keeping your airways open because what's happening during sleep apnea, your body is suffocating itself repetitively, you know, hour after hour, minute after minute. And so the CPAP is just an air column that's keeping the tongue from obstructing the airway. And there's different types of masks. Um, you know, people can wear a nasal mask, which covers their nose, a full mask, which covers their nose and their mouth. There's something called a nasal pillow, which goes in their nose. But for patients who don't tolerate CPAP, there's also uh, dental devices um, that are used to help move the jaw forward. There's finally also a a neurologic device called the Inspire device. And finally, I tell all my patients, if they have elevated BMI, uh, there's no substitution for healthy lifestyle and weight loss. Okay. Well, thank you for all that information. If you uh, forget what Dr. Marks has said today, you can always listen to this again on Facebook uh, or by going to talklawradio.com. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about uh, some transportation regulations uh, regarding sleep. So stay tuned. could be a nightmare for your family, which is why it's important to meet with an attorney before you go on vacation. Get your affairs in order just in case, God forbid, tragedy strikes and you become disabled or worse happens while traveling. Attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trust, and tax-protected inheritance plans. A living trust might save your family thousands of dollars. Protect what's yours at Marquardt Law Firm, 210-530-4278. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here with Dr. David Marks. He's a pulmonologist with the Pulmonary and Sleep Institute. And you can learn more about him at psidoctor.com. If you have trouble not getting enough rest and you don't know why, you might want to contact your physician or contact him to get more information about what you can do about it. So we've been talking about uh, vaping and, and getting enough sleep and all of those effects on your body and your lungs. And this segment, we're going to talk about transportation regulations, and then we'll talk about legacy. So first, um, tell us about how you got involved in transportation. Well, I'm a uh, FAA aviation medical examiner, and what that means is all pilots, whether it be commercial pilots for big airlines or general aviation pilots, have to have a medical certificate, medical clearance, as you will, in order to have maintained flying. And part of that examination is screening pilots for the possibility of obstructive sleep apnea. As we said, having undiagnosed and untreated sleep apnea increases your incidence of getting into an accident. There's been several 
you know, major you know, catastrophes in our history tied to sleepiness from the uh, Exxon Valdez to other sorts of transportation events where it was all tied to um, the person had you know, sleepiness, probably untreated sleep apnea. But also I see a fair amount of individuals that are non-pilots that are, have commercial um, driver's license. To, so the Department of Transportation kind of provides the regulation agency and they have to get a medical card, and the, the medical examiners, it's upon them to screen um, um, the individuals you know, for sleep apnea. And if there's a concern of sleep apnea, whether it be not you have an enlarged neck, enlarged tongue, or you, you, you report to the examiner that you're snoring and you're, you're sleepy, they're going to ask you to undergo a sleep study. Because, again, um, the sleepiness um, can certainly impact uh, transportation and result in accidents and death. Yeah, so if you drive for a living or you fly for a living, you probably have to have one of these certificates anyway. And that's good for the rest of us to make sure that people that drive for a living or fly for a living aren't tired. Exactly. Okay, so that's part of your practice. You help people with those exams. Exactly, I do. Okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience with aviation. So um, I was blessed that at a young age, at 11, um, I watched Top Gun and just fell in <laughs> love with flying. And I was yeah. always, always visiting my grandparents in New York. And I'd always fly. And I was just, how in the heck can this piece of metal just fly so gracefully like a bird? And I became very interested. And I was very blessed that uh, my grandfather and subsequently my father um, helped me uh, um, achieve my goals and helped me with flying lessons and I got my pilot's license at the young age of uh, 17, and I've been a pilot you know, since then. And so after you started flying for recreation, uh, what did you do then? Well, that's when I became a, a paramedic. I decided, you know, I, I don't want to fly for an airline, but I always had this love of flying. And again, referencing Top Gun, I always wanted to know what it was like to fly in a fighter. So I kept my dreams, and I joined the Air Force Reserves back in two, the early 2000 and uh, became a flight surgeon with the United States Air Force and originally was flying in the uh, C-5s. But again, I always wanted to know what it was like to fly in a fighter jet, so I was able to transfer to the Texas Air National Guard to the uh, 149th Fighter Wing, which is an F-16 unit here in San Antonio, and I was you know, blessed to be able to fly in the back seat of an F-16 uh, several times. And awesome. Experienced that, and I realized that uh, um, G-forces and pulling 9Gs doesn't do well for <laughs> aviation sickness. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you got lots of experience uh, flying yourself, so you can relate to what the pilots are going through. You can help them get their uh, medical certificate that they need to do their job. Right, because, uh, you know, as a pilot, uh, you're in a different environment, and it's very much akin to what I do with the uh, the firefighters here in San Antonio, is that their job and their work environment is d very unique compared to uh, non-firefighters or non-pilots. Um, they, they're they doing their job, but in a different, uh, I guess, physiologic circumstances, which can place different kind of burdens and disease states can affect their performance you know, differently than other um, individuals. Just want to talk about another lawsuit just to keep you awake while we're talking about all these uh, large uh, medical words and legal words. There was a, a court case uh, out of Kansas where um, a woman was uh, driving and uh, she fell asleep and she hit two people on bicycles and so you you never want to let that happen because if uh, she knew that she was a sleepy person and so she probably shouldn't have been driving to begin with absolutely and it's so it's our responsibility to uh, um, make sure that we're rested before we go behind the wheel just like there's you know, laws about not texting and driving laws about not drinking and driving there are no laws about being sleeping and driving but it's upon us to be responsible drivers to ensure, obviously, that our vehicles are in good driving condition, but that we are able to go. And I kind of go back to being a pilot. You know, when you're the pilot of an aircraft, we call that the pilot in command. And one of the very first responsibilities that you do before you even get behind the control surfaces for the airplane is that you are able to fly, that you are rested, that you're medically fit to fly. And that same should go with driving, that you should be 
medically feeling well to drive. Yeah, so if you drive in San Antonio, please get enough sleep because I might be in the lane next to you. Let's talk a little bit about uh, our favorite subject in the fourth segment um, because Marquardt Law Firm uh, sponsors the show. We like to talk about legacy. And now it's time for the Talk Law Radio Legacy Spotlight. What's your legacy? Sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. So when I talk about legacy with my guests here, uh, we like to ask uh, about either values that you learned from uh, your ancestors that, that you want to pass on to uh, your, your children or your beneficiaries. So when you think back, um, can you point to someone uh, that gave you a legacy? Yes, my father, and my, both my father and my mother, but particularly my father. Um, he uh, raised me since I was the age of two. Um, he was a single father um, and just a really hard worker and just instilled to me uh, the, the, the faith that it's okay to fail, just to try hard, that there's no um, – without, without trying, you're not, you're not going to succeed. So mm-hmm. failure is really not a, a true word. You just have to try hard and, and gave me the tools and the opportunity and always supported me, whether it be good or bad. Okay. That reminds me of Babe Ruth, the uh, home run king. Uh, they, they say he had the most home runs, but he also had the most strikeouts. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, what are some uh, lessons that you hope to pass down uh, when, when you think about your career so far? Well, it's my career, but just everything else I do besides my career. So being a doctor, being in the military, being a man of faith, um, incorporating all these different dimensions into being a good person. And as we talked about legacy – to me, his legacy is not what I'm going to leave behind as far as materialistic items, but legacy is what I'm going to leave behind as far as the roadmap. And every day we're trying to improve our roadmap. You know, we're building better roads. We're building better infrastructure. But I view of legacy as kind of this infrastructure of life, and I hope to leave a legacy to where my children and the people around me can use that infrastructure and that map to build upon that to make things even better and better because we always just strive to make ourselves better irregardless of what's going on in the world and the challenges that are going on, the differences that we have. It's up to us to try to make our lives better and as a whole, as a society, make us better. Would you say that it's been easy to get to where you are? Um, I think there's been some challenges, but that's where faith and perseverance is is always important, that you should always believe in yourself. My grades in undergraduate were mediocre, I took the medical admission test that did not so great. And, in fact, my advisor in college told me I should probably not apply to medical school and I should look at some other type of uh, career field. But I didn't believe him, and I uh, got into medical school, my first choice here in San Antonio, and graduated top of the class and did well in my residency and my fellowship and interviewed at top-notch programs to include Duke and Emory and Mayo Clinic. Obviously, I chose to stay in San Antonio. So I don't believe in failure. Failure is not an option. I believe in you the best that you can. As long as you're doing the best that you can, um, there's no such thing as failure. That's awesome. I wish I had known you, but when I was in college, I was supposed to be an eye doctor. My granddad was an eye doctor. My dad was an eye doctor. So that's what I was going going for. But I couldn't get through calculus. I, the, the teacher had mercy on me and gave me a C-. minus. But I failed every test, and I, I didn't want to take that class again. <laughs> well, as a doctor, you don't use a lot of calculus, I can rest Right, assured, and that's so. what they both told me. I said, well, I, I got to get into optometry school, and you got to have good grades for that. But uh, you proved that one wrong. Uh, tell us in the last minute um, a little bit about what you do outside of your office in the community community service. Yes, I'm involved in other agencies. I'm a medical director for Hope Hospice. Uh, so part of my practice is um, taking care of patients and families when they're in their last course of their illness and comforting them. I'm also a medical director of an agency called Lone Star Visiting Physicians, which provides primary care at your home. So some individuals that are reluctant to go to doctor's offices, we can bring kind of the doctor's office to your office. I'm medical director of a uh, 
nurse staffing company called Angel Staffing that was instrumental in providing um, nurses to the COVID response you know, that we had recently here in the state of Texas and providing medical direction and oversight and training to those nurses. And I'm involved at the Cornerstone uh, Church. My kids attend Cornerstone Christian School, both David and Lily, and um, they're 10 and 7 years old, so cheerleading and soccer. So I'm a busy dad, and again, that's my legacy, showing how I can incorporate being a busy doctor and being involved in the community, but also still being a great dad and a great role model to my children. Thank you for sharing all of that, and thank you for being our guest today. My pleasure. So if you're sleepy, you probably need to see a physician, and you probably need to stop vaping, take care of your lungs to prevent illness, disease, and accidents. And also, if this is your work, if you drive or fly for a living, you need to be in compliance with uh, your health regulations. So um, all of those things are how this medical issue and this legal issue intersect. So you heard it here on Talk Law Radio. We'll talk to you later. Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.